Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Relational Leadership. We try to come up with topics that will help you in all of your walks of life. And I'm Stephanie Clements. And I am Sean Dolly. And what? Tell us what the topic is today. Today, we are going to talk about difficult conversations, those things in the workplace that you would rather not engage in, but you recognize that until you have that conversation, whatever the underlying issue is, it's not going to resolve itself. So we're going to get into that, maybe share some uh, personal stories, always leaving out the names to protect the innocent and not so innocent. (laughs) And not so innocent, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, Well, I think, you know, with difficult conversations... Being able to have those and knowing how to do them, that's going to help you not only in the workplace, but we have to have difficult conversations with our significant other, with our children, sometimes with our friends. So it really does carry over to every aspect. Sure. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, whatever their title is, whether it's coworker, follower, teammate, son, yeah. And they're people, right? Right. Those are right. those are you know God's children behind those titles. So um, there's a lot of obvious carryover, right? I mean, right. and and now certainly the dynamic can be different. Um, a difficult conversation with somebody you only have to see uh, forty hours a week, or maybe once a month on a Zoom call, is going to be different than somebody you, you live with. Right. <laughs> but it still <laughs> creates a lot of the same issues. But it is. You know, I think the biggest thing with these kind of conversations is that it's important about how you approach it and and your demeanor and your tone in that if you actually want it to work. Yeah. Um, you know, if you walk in and you, you blow up at somebody, they're immediately on the defense and um, so there's nothing that you can, I mean, you know, they're, they're not going to, listen. No. And the very nature of a difficult conversation means that it's probably laced with a significant amount of emotional baggage. Right. So as you're you know, in the car, you know, role playing how this conversation is going to go, you may or may not be capable of having this purely intellectual exercise where you're thinking through your points, your sub points, the main thesis of your argument but the second you are sitting across from that person, both you and your you know, counterpart um, are going to have emotions that are going to be, I dare use the word triggered, uh, based right. on you know, the nature of the conversation. So, no, I, I, I totally get it, and, and which is why um, it's one of the more unpleasant things right. you know, that we have to do, workplace or even in our personal lives. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, I've two conversations come to mind, you know, very quickly for me and you know one was very recent where I had um, a boss tell me information that kind of it it was very disappointing to me and I sitting here thinking you know well this this isn't what you told me before this isn't Mm -hmm. I, I and and feeling upset and I sat and I listened through it and sometimes you have to take some time before you know that conversation may not be the time for you to fully share those thoughts because I I actually needed some time to process 
That's right. And go through the initial emotions. And then I had to think about, do I just not say anything and go on about my way and this is how it's going to be? Or do I go back and explain how it made me feel and how how I, how I feel it affects me and, and things like that? And you know, that was a tough one. I'm, I'm not, I don't think any of us are really built for conflict, although there's a few people <laughs> I think they it. really they, do. They, in the do. absence of drama, they'll right. manufacture it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely uh, try to avoid conflict when it's possible. And sure. so um, I did have to go back and I decided, you know, I mean, otherwise resent, when we don't talk about our feelings and we bottle resentment grows. Sure, sure. And then that doesn't create a healthy relationship anymore. Sure. So I did go back and talk, and in a very, you know, so that when, like I said, the emotion was out, and Mm -hmm. I went back and I said, you know, I have to be honest with you, this really disappointed me. And I feel like you had said some of these other things in the past that led me to believe we were going to do this. Mm -hmm. And... I'm just, I'm struggling with getting, you know, I mean, uh, the reasoning and whatever. And as it worked out, I mean, we really did sit down and they explained, you know, he explained that, that issue, but we also came up with a compromise. Okay. And so it worked out better. Instead, I could have gone back and just been mad and, and accepted. Sure. And, and been just irritated and messing up my work relationship. Well, that, exactly, and um, you could probably use this analogy in in different contexts. But you mentioned about do you let it go, and maybe it just simply dissipates into the ether, or is it like that little patch of weeds in the garden that you think, well, I'll, I'll just I'll not worry about that, and before you know it, they eventually begin to spread. Right. And whereas whatever the the, the main thrust that that caused the need for that difficult conversation, suddenly, though that might be a fraction of your total relationship with that person, that resentment, like weeds, begins to slowly mm-hmm. spread and find its way into different you know, areas of the garden. And, and I, I appreciated what you said in that you were cognizant of that it hit you emotionally and you recognized that, okay, I need to take some time just to let this marinate yeah. Let me go through the, the the five stages of grief or whatever <laughs> right, it is. Right. And then um, once my emotions have somewhat subsided, uh, I'm now in a better position to more intellectually right. go through the merits of, you know, his or her position. And then the way I, you know, recollect how things were to go on the flip side where I have had to give, you know, bad news to people, um, uh, I'm thinking of a time when, like, once a year we would have a pilot selection board, and whether I was the chair or just one of the members, we would end up with maybe 10 or 12 candidates who had been screened, you know, with their resumes from maybe a pool of 60 or 70. And for many of these folks, they were used to being told yes. And these are mm-hmm. high-achieving, right, you know, 22, 23-year-olds right. with these, like, the kind of resumes you're like, I want you hanging out with you know, my son or daughter or dating one, you know what I mean? Right, like these right. are, these are perfect, you know, like all American kids, but there might be one slot. And so after the board, we had made our decision. I then needed to call 
the 9, 10, 11. That didn't. And, yeah, yeah, did not get it. And, and tell them no for maybe the first time in their life. And what I figured out early was um, I'm going to let them know the bad news, acknowledge that they're going to be disappointed, and then invite them at some time in the near future to call me back mm-hmm. and we can have a conversation about how your interview went, my meager insights as to what went right, what you could improve upon. But I, I, I realized don't try to do all that in one conversation. Right. They've got to feel all of their feelings first. Yes. The disappointment, the, you know, and then once they settle, they can be open to receive it. Yeah. And, and my situation worked out a little, you know, in the sense that there was a compromise. However, I was prepared for the fact that that wasn't going to happen. I just needed to express my feelings. Yeah. Either way, you know, and sure. be heard. Sure. And, you know, at that point, it was going to be what it was. Yeah. But at least I needed to let them know that how I felt. That's right. Yeah. And and there's some, you know, there's some amount of therapeutic, you know, value right. in that. <laughs> Even if it's not going to change, you know, the, the, the overall vector of the decision, uh, you know, conveying to somebody, but it also demonstrates some, you know, level of professional respect where if the person has the legitimate authority to make that decision with which you disagree, as a professional, you can voice disagreement and disappointment. Right. And yet still demonstrate, okay, but at the end of the day, the decision was moral, legal, ethical. I am a professional. I can, you know, get right. on board with that. Right. Uh, but getting that off your chest, I think, does have some amount of value. Sure. Yeah. And you know, and like I said, then I had time to also put together my points of why we should move forward with the program, and they were able to see that where I wasn't as prepared before because I didn't know I needed to yeah. convince them on it. You know, so so it gave me time to to do those things too. And which allowed us to come to a compromise. But, you know, I think now to my kids, because I've really tried to work with them, because, again, the, you know, the downfall of any relationship is not communicating. Mm. And if you're only communicating the good things and not the bad things and (laughs) whatever, you know, it just, it builds up. And so I've tried to instill that in my kids to be willing to sit down and talk about things. And I did better with, I have four kids. I did better with the younger two than I did the first two well, yeah, the, in the, the sense the of practice kids. Lo- yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the guinea pig kids, uh, right. you know, the older ones typically get, you know, the, the, the beta version of right. parenting, you know, like <laughs> it, gets, it gets perfected right. you know, as you go along, I guess. So, you know, when they weren't happy with something, and they would be like, well, I just don't understand. You know what? And I was like, well, I'll tell you what, you put together your points. We'll sit down and talk about it. And if you can show me how this is going to be, whatever, then, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it anyway. Yeah. And they're like, okay. <laughs> you know, so it kept a lot of those fights, you know, where kids are going to throw some sort of tantrum because why don't you ever let me do this or whatever. It gave them a chance to have to think about it intellectually, too, as as to why why I might say no. Yeah. And now they had to think through it as to why I should say yes. Well, so I noticed uh, a, a general 
commonality between when you were having the conversation with the boss in the workplace setting with your kids, it seemed like in both instances, you, you kept the conversation focused on that issue. Yeah. Because what can happen sometimes on either side is that there might be one particular issue, which is the catalyst for that conversation, but there had maybe been some of that growing resentment that had expanded out. And before you know it, you think you're about to have a conversation about X. Right. And it ends up being about X. And then they start pulling in F and J and yeah. B and a square and a rectangle <laughs> and, you know, the number five. You know, it, it right. can kind of go and it can get away from you. And I know from past experience, I when I was on the, the boss side of the desk, would bring somebody in to have that difficult conversation about a particular issue and they would start bringing things in. And I found myself getting drugged into this right, like litigation where suddenly we are trying to play the role of Solomon on all these other issues that weren't even tangential. They were just simply completely unrelated. Right. So you seem like you've got a, a more structured approach. Now, is that something that is, maybe natural to you, or was it through trial and error? No, I think that was definitely through trial and error. Um, that was, um, it was realizing a lot after the downfall of um, some past relationships that I never communicated, and we can't expect somebody to know what we need sometimes or what we expect of them. If they don't know, <laughs> you know, if you've sure. never told them and instead getting upset with them because they're, they don't just know. Yeah. You know, right, I mean, right, right. and, and I can even find myself with that. It's easy, like with an employee and it's like, you see what I do, just do those things, you know, but yeah. I've no, if you haven't explained it, you sure. know. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I've maybe figured out when I was coming up the ranks that, you know, as much as I look up to some of these leaders, I'm starting to realize they may not be mind readers. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> because to some degree, um, perhaps it's just, you know, youth or naivete, you maybe presume that the people up the chain must be special and therefore they surely understand my hopes and fears the same way I do. And, and they don't, right. They, they really don't. No. And so one of the things I began to, to tell folks, um, was, uh, you know, that worked for me was don't expect me to be able to read your mind. Right. Right. F for good or bad. Uh, if you have an issue that is bothering you, please feel free to bring that up. Yeah. Because quite likely there's a very benign explanation yeah. Not everything is this dark conspiracy. Right. And at the same time, if you have aspirations, um, don't presume that your career is more important to me than it is to you. Like, I, like you need to tell me what you sure. want. Like, you need to be very direct. And, and you need not feel ashamed that you've got, you know, ambitions, you know, wherever they may lie. But you need to tell me that. Right. Like you, I, I, I can see all the potential in the world in you, but I don't know how we're going to take all that thrust and provide a, a vector to it. Right. Well, I think that also, you know, one of the things I think is really important 
in the workplace is even doing, you know, whether it's an annual review and things like that. Mm. Because, again, if you've been doing something wrong for the last year and nobody's told you, you don't know to quit that's doing right. that. That's right. And, you know, if you don't, and that's where it can be that difficult conversation because it's like, oh, I don't want to tell them. Yeah. I don't want them to get upset. I don't want them to quit. It's not like that. You know, it's knowing how to approach it and, you know, talking about the good points, but then going, you know, here's some areas that I really feel could use improvement right. and, you know, keeping emotion out of it and say, you know, I mean, but we do, we have to, if you're going to have a well-functioning workplace, mm -hmm. You have to have those conversations. One of my peers, when I was a mid-level officer and I went to Quantico for a year at Marine Corps University, was a Marine infantry officer, and he was a Marine's Marine. Like he, 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 he gives me hope <laughs> in, in the future of the United States military. I mean, this this guy was—it's like he was built. He he rolled off the assembly line to be a leader of Marines, and I don't know. If he coined the phrase, and he's certainly a humble guy, but he wouldn't even take credit for it if he did. But he told me that as a commander, silence is consent. When you don't address it yeah, and you don't like it, the blame shifts from the person doing it to the person right. in charge who's not addressing it. And I thought, my goodness, that's so simplistic and brilliant because, again, everybody that shows up, brings not only different motivations, you know, to why they are at that organization, but they bring different experiences, different values, a different ethos. Yeah. And therefore, we sometimes make the mistake uh, just because we're, we're, we're busy. I don't think it's because we're lazy, but we, we implicitly kind of project our worldview and our values on other people. Sure. And so when you see them doing things that are different than how you would do it, you think, now, that's weird. Like, why? Why? Why would they do? I would never do that. Yeah. Well, they're not you. Right. And until you bring it up in whatever appropriate manner you deem, uh, don't expect it to change. Right. If they're doing yeah. it, it has inertia and it's going to continue until acted upon by the outside force, as right. they say in physics. So. Well, and and another reason that we need to be willing to have those discussions is if it is something that you don't want as commonplace in your workplace, what they're doing is going to be seen by other coworkers, and it can either spread that way, or there can be resentment from other coworkers because Absolutely. they're not doing it right, and why are they getting away with it? And you know, so it is important as that leader yeah. to to catch things early on, address it, and and help them get right. on the right path. Yeah, that's right. And you you hit on a key point in that. It's not just the particular behavior of the, let's call him or her, the offending employee. By you not addressing it, you know, other people see that. And now the problem is confined to whatever it is, but it's creating this broader problem. Like, man, I, so let's just say that the issue is, is tardiness, okay? Let, let's say that it is clearly established that 8 a.m., right. we all need to be here. Well, if somebody routinely rolls in at 8.03, 8.08, the majority of other professionals are not going to start coming to work late because they don't need the boss to tell them to be on time. Right. They, they, they will show up on time. But when they see somebody just routinely 
being less than punctual and nothing seems to happen about it, um, that can really begin to corrode, yeah. you know, some of the, the morale. It, and it's, and the, it's, yeah, over such a small thing. And suddenly the issue of the unaddressed tardiness begins to creep into, you know, other aspects of right, the company's, right. you know, vibe um, where the leader could have nipped that one in the bud. Sure. Absolutely. So when that happens, Stephanie, so that, let, let's just use that as, as an example. Um, when you are going to bring somebody in, and let's use the example that they just seem to, they seem to be late yeah. a lot. How does that conversation go? You know, when you have somebody, you know, so this is, this is an adult, okay? This yeah. is a, a workplace professional, and you've got to bring him in and give him a little bit of a talking to. What, what does that look like? I think that that is, um, again, I like to start with things that I see them doing well. Okay. But say, you know, but there are some issues here. You know, I'm seeing you come in, you know, anywhere from five to ten minutes late. And while that doesn't seem to be a big deal, you know, our starting time is eight o'clock. And it means you should be here and ready to work at eight o'clock. So what can we do to help you with that? Is there something going on? Mm. In the mornings, is there something, you know, because, oh, traffic gets bad. and like, okay, let's discuss. Maybe we leave 10 minutes earlier, you know. Or, <laughs> right, right, right. And I understand that occasionally you can't help what's going to happen in traffic. Sure. You know, there, there's a pile up on the interstate and nobody's moving. And, yeah. you know, so that's going to happen on mm-hmm, occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that traffic is going to be bad rush hour traffic every day so it seems that it is a five to ten minute thing so let's let's plan that or you know maybe they can't drop their kid off before a certain time and so it's understanding at that point too i mean that's something that probably should have been brought up right right before the hire but um and if i say you know okay so you can't drop your kid off before this time and you can't get here really before five after what I need you to do is, you know, because I don't want people to feel like you're not equal and, and pulling your weight. And I get that when you're here, you're putting your all into it, but maybe lunch then or whatever, you're staying five minutes past, you know, just let's make it up somewhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, uh, again, with the hypothetical, there's always going to be some nuance and some, right. so, sometimes you discover some things like, okay, oh, okay, now now I can understand. It doesn't necessarily mean I condone, but uh, you've now provided me some insights that help me understand. But yes, somehow, some way, it needs to be resolved. And you don't publicly flog somebody. Right. But if the behavior had been noticed by a significant number of yeah. workers, there needs to be some degree of public resolution. Right, right. right. Uh, and, and that's always tricky. That's, you know, and it is, yeah, because yeah. you don't want to go out and go, okay, well, you know, <laughs> right. it's going to continue to be late for the next Right, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not going to put it in the, the weekly you know, right. company bulletin or you know, <laughs> right. send out a mass text to everybody. But just you know, them seeing, though, that the level of effort – um, you know, I had to actually have this conversation with um, 
an employee who was taking, you know, multiple smoke breaks. Mm. And the people who don't take smoke breaks were getting irritated because, you know, 10 minutes out of every hour, this (laughs) person isn't um, (laughs) working and the rest of us are in here working. And so, you know, I did have to have that conversation that, you know, there's going to have to be fewer of these. And, you know, you do get two 10-minute breaks through the day and then a lunch hour, you know, but we're going to have to try to limit that if you need to wear a patch, if you need to wear <laughs> yeah, something yeah, yeah. to get you yeah, through. Yeah, you know, smoke two cigarettes at once. Right. You know, tr- transition <laughs> to chewing tobacco. You know? Right. But something that, you know, helps because it was, you know, I was yeah. having other employees who were getting irritated yeah. because yeah. they're like, we're here working the whole time. Yeah. They're still making the same amount of money and they're still, you know, everybody's yeah. getting paid for the same hours. Right. And, and again, that's where um, the problem that is being caused by somebody eventually results in the leader being the one that people's animosity is directed right, towards. Like, right. like, why will not the, why will, why won't she do something about this? Yeah. Um, and you know, you can't be everywhere at once. And sometimes you, you don't see these things sure. maybe, uh, but, but they do. Right. You know, they're, they, you know, they're watching, they're not only watching the behavior and the, again, I'll use the word offending individual, they're watching you. Yeah. Like, well, okay. What is she going to do about it? Right. Yeah. Uh, when you know you said something earlier about perhaps trying to lead with some positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I I I go back and forth on that. Yeah. Depending on the nature, right? Sure. And it depends on how irritated I really am. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because boss, bosses are people too, right? right? You know, even leaders are allowed to have emotions. So um, I feel like there's a spectrum of difficult, difficult conversations. Yeah. You know, there's the quick pull some out of the side. Hey, if you could please not use that language in meetings, that, that'd sure. be appreciated, right? Then at the other extreme is, you know, have a seat, this is detective so-and-so that's going to be investigating the case because you've been embezzling from the company, <laughs> right. right? So there's a, there's a spectrum of difficult conversations. Um, when I would have those annual performance reports and I would sit people down and we would go through, you know, the body of work, uh, they always had plenty of wonderful things, right? But I would always use that opportunity after I had sincerely, you know, brought out the wonderful things they had mm-hmm. done to provide my humble insights as to things that I thought they could do better. Sure. And there's actually, I feel like, a significant amount of compassion and respect when you look somebody in the eye and tell them, hey, you're doing this pretty good. I think you could be great at it. Yeah. Some people struggle with any sort of feedback that could be even remotely critical. Right. Right, but at the end of the day, if if you are telling somebody that you're good, you're above average, I think you've got the capacity, the potential to be rare. Right. Um, if if they believe that you genuinely care, that you genuinely about, care yeah, and believe yeah, that, <laughs> that's right. They they're going to typically you know receive that uh, as such, right? Sure. I mean, if you've established that you know that lane of trust with them. They're, they're more inclined to take that feedback yeah. as opposed to if the only time they ever hear from you is when you're pointing out 
little flaws, little mistakes, little errors. Um, they're just going to, in one ear, you know, out right. the other. Well, another thing that I like with um, performance reviews is, you know, for my employees, I ask them to review themselves. Tell me what you feel like you do best. Tell me some things that you think you could improve on so that they are having to, like, try and think objectively about themselves also. Mm-hmm. And sure. then then that leads into some conversation where they're like, okay, I've already admitted I could do this better. Sure. And, you know, so let's let's start here. Makes your job easier, right? Yeah. When they lead with it. Yeah. Uh, I so similarly um, after every after every flight, you know, that we ever flew in the Air Force, there would always be a debrief. And in some circumstances, um, some of these people were so gosh darn hard on themselves. I had to pull them back from the ledge. I'm like, man, like, okay. Yes, I agree that maybe there was a couple of things. You right, were, but you, you were, were a lot better you than you said. Up, right, <laughs> and and I say that as a um, you know, oh my goodness, I, nobody nobody can beat me up like I can you know beat myself. Oh, absolutely. Up. So we're maybe maybe that may critic. be a little more you know empathetic to to that approach, but you know, in those well, certain- and those things do give you if they've done that, it does give you a chance to build them up with that. Yeah. You've, you've at least got the opportunity to either agree or to build them up. That's sure. That, that's right. And, you know, I'd, some people more than others um, need external validation. I think we all want external validation. Like, it, it feels good when it somebody does. says, hey, good job, right? Um, but especially as professionals, when somebody if for no other reason than they are older than you and are farther along in their career, but is somebody that you look up to, um, gives you that validation. Right. Uh, that, well, that, that can really go a long way. Uh, now, on the other end of the spectrum are those times when you're bringing somebody in and it's not, a, it's not you know, their annual performance report, um, it's not a quick aside, right. but it's, it's something significant. Right. In, in the instance where it is a legitimate fatal infraction, like you're being terminated, right? like this by itself as a standalone mistake or willful act is grounds for termination. Okay, that, that's a different thing. Sure. But when you're bringing somebody in um, because there is, there is a single distinct problem that they caused, um, I found those to, to be the most emotionally draining Oh, you know, yeah. for me, um, do you have any that you can think of like that? Uh, again, we'll, we'll make sure we sanitize the details. Right, <laughs> right. So, yeah, I have um, where I, I had to call it an employee and that was, was really I was to the end of, of my wits with them. Mm-hmm. But I was still hoping and trying to see if they were willing to correct their behavior some and you know i will say some i've some of these i've done much better than others um because again we're human and we can get emotional Mm -hmm. too um but yeah i mean that's that is that's probably the toughest of the tough conversations where you just have to discuss um listen i mean We've enjoyed working with you or whatever, but 
right now, you know, here's some things that I can't yeah. overlook. And this reflects on the company, our employees, and, you know, and so this is just something that yeah, we can't let go, so we're going to have to part ways here. Yeah, um, yeah, and and depending on where you work, there's going to be any number of HR-required protocols sure. to follow sure. and things like that. But, you know, I, having had to terminate, you know, people in the past, uh, one thing I, I figured out was – I can't spend three or four minutes basically clearing my throat because I'm uneasy about it. Right. If you start with, well, you know, uh, there's some macroeconomic trends that are creating some financial constraints and um, you know, our productivity is down in this quarter. At some point they're going to go, am I getting fired? Yeah. <laughs> right? So, you know, you, you, if you're going to do that, I feel like those words need to come out of your mouth pretty quick in, in the first yeah. 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, short of that, when I've had to bring somebody in um, who wasn't being terminated but had done something, it, it was a standalone act or, or, or lack of an act that necessitated this difficult conversation, what I realized, uh, found out kind of through trial and error, was that unlike a conversation where I was going to talk about some generalities, like, mm-hmm. hey, hey, you you tend to get a little bit gruff with people um, during emergencies or what have you. You know, that is a relatively generalized conversation that still needed to be had, but it wasn't something, a singular egregious act. When it is something like that, what I figured out was um, I need to, if I'm going to formally reprimand somebody, I'm going to write out, concisely but with enough specificity to to convey the point and we're not going to uh, adjudicate this like it's a court right Uh, i am going to deliver this message probably going to have a witness um maybe even have them sign an acknowledgement that they have been told this now they, they will have a chance to rebut right um, and like we mentioned earlier, give them a chance to emotionally, you know, process and go through that, you know, climax of intensity. Uh, and then they can come back and address it later, but, um, or maybe even in their own written form. But what I found worked best for me was if I'm going to have to confront somebody yeah. over something specific is um, don't go in there without a plan. Yeah. It, it, need, it needs to be crystal clear what the issue is, uh, what your future expectations are, and it needs to be conveyed to them quickly, clearly, and comprehensively. And then, after sure. they acknowledge it, you know, you go about your day, and then we can come back, and if you'd like to address it later, we'll do that. But, um, yeah, I, there was a couple times early on where I thought we would just have this conversation. I would say what I was going to say, and that they would receive it as such, and it's not. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an emotional thing, you know, they, again, emotions get in the way, whether it's at home or at work or whatever, but um, we are just about, I think, out of time, but it is, I mean, we could, as you're talking, I mean, lots of other (laughs) things coming into my head and I'm like, ah, we're, we're at the end of our time, but um, we appreciate any of you who joined in and if you like this, We would appreciate you liking and sharing it. You can find us now on Spotify. 
So relational leadership on Spotify. So we would love for you to, you know, share it with friends and family and, um, and give us some feedback. And as we move forward with new topics, if you have questions that you yeah. would like us to address on these, um, feel free to put those in the event or message us. And, you know, we would love to have some, some of your questions as we're going forward. Absolutely. So thank you again for joining, and we will see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>